Okay. I'm gonna. Uh, I don't have my sign up list, but if you are not currently on the uh, email list for this class, we need to send you that email soon. But or if I don't have email at all, just make sure that you fill that out so I can send you emails about what's happening. And we're back with Cliff Notes. So Cliff Notes, if your first time in this class, George and I are helping us walk through the Sermon on the Mount, which has been fun so far. And Cliff Notes because, you know, because of puns. So <laughs> I thought it was really a pun. <clears throat> Is it a pun? No. It's a pun. Is it, Is it a pun? Well, I, I imagine Jesus teaching this on a cliff. On a cliff, yeah. Like yeah. The Sermon on the Mount. So, because in a cliff, everybody could have been belaying each other. You know? <laughs> so, um, <laughs> on belay. On belay. So, yeah, so we've been walking through the Sermon on the Mount. It's been a lot of fun. Today, we're on the passage about anger. And death, a murder, I guess murder. It's really is about murder. Yeah. That's what he says about murder. Which is good to talk about. Um, so I'm excited to see what we get ourselves into this morning. But um, as as I, so this summer we did this whole thing on those uh, small uh, um, epistles. And now we're in the Sermon on the Mount. So my hope is, is that throughout the week you're, Reading the Sermon on the Mount, we're reading these little chunks of uh, a text that we're kind of going over and kind of reading ahead as a way to help guide us in our own personal readings of the sacred text uh, that we all, that most of us have in our homes, at least one. Like many of us have more than one. So, but I, I hope this is like an encouragement for you to say, let's let me read this thing because we often talk about this particular long teaching, but we haven't really been visiting in a while sometimes, so. Okay? Yeah. George, where do you win it? It's hard. What, what, what do you have about murder? Alright. Um, <coughs> this is the first part of the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus prefaces what he says with, you have heard that it was said. And there are six times total that he says, you have heard that it was said, but then he's going to say, but I said and uh, so, uh, let's click down. So when Jesus does this, all six times, he's doing the same type of thing. And he's quoting from the Old Testament and saying, you have heard that it was said, because you've heard that it was said because this is what the Bible says. So passage we're going to look at today, you've heard it said, do not murder. Um, and then Jesus is going to interpret or extend or in some ways counter that quotation, but it's important to note that his opposition is not against the law itself. And we talked last week about where Jesus says right before this, I have not come to abolish the law, I have come to fulfill the law. So he's not saying that the Old Testament has been nailed to the cross and no longer is relevant. What he's doing is saying the, that the old law um, said these things. And what I think he's doing, and there's a lot of discussion about this 
but what he's doing is not contradicting it, he's deepening it. And these are the concepts that I think anybody could have learned from the law. It's just that Jesus is now saying, my followers, we're not just going to keep the letter of the law, but we're going to keep the spirit of the law. So we all know that there are religious rules that we can keep and not really think about the spirit of uh, and we feel like sometimes, well, as long as I'm keeping the letter of the law, I'm good. Um, what's so, your What's your best example of that? Um, well, church going is the go-to for me. Right. So coming, going to church, and dressing, dressing up for church. Uh, a lot of dressed up today. One of the times game after was I had a tight shirt on with this. Um, they got some cargo, over. cargo so, pants. Why did I feel like I had to cover up my tight shirt? Because this is church. And God can't see through shirts. Says, <laughs> the law, i.e., my it's, wife says. That's for the kids. You know, so, uh, I wear a Jesus shirt. I wear a Jesus church because I think church should become as you are. It's just a, it's a theological thing for me. But I have family as well, and, and the kids say, How come dad gets to wear jeans? Not going to wear church clothes. So I wear church clothes sometimes. You feel what I'm saying? So what is the spirit of that rule? The spirit of that rule is, you know, what we're doing is special, it's important. I like the spirit of that. My church is, my, my heart is in a suit and tie. Right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so um, Jesus is probing behind the original scripture into God's mind. So when you interpret the Bible, uh, one of the things that we're taught if we're doing it right is that we look at the original context, we look at who the author was, we look at what the author intended. But there's something about the Bible, and I'm just now agreeing to this because I, I teach how to interpret the Bible, and I used to teach that you cannot, you're misapplying Scripture if you are uh, making it mean something that it didn't mean in its original time. What I think I'm teaching now, and I think I'm basing it somewhat on what Jesus does to the Old Testament, is suggesting that there that, that through the Spirit, and we all do this probably without thinking about it, those verses can apply to different situations and apply to our lives in ways that maybe the human author didn't think about, but there's a divine author. And so maybe these scriptures, maybe I'm suggesting we can do the same thing that Jesus is doing here. That it's not just because Jesus said he gets to brought these people but maybe we, as we're reading the text, can also find deeper meanings. Now, I'm not totally comfortable with that because some of you will get interpretations that I think are crazy. <laughs> um, and I'll, you know, but that's where we can have a discussion. No, that's too far. You can't take it that far. But that's what we're getting into. Okay. So Jesus reveals what that intent is and how his followers are to live. Um, so Jesus is deepening the Torah. 
So in this case, uh, you've heard that it was said you shall not murder. There's a good chance I won't murder anybody today. Good chance. Um, you are going to the Titans game. But I am going to the Titans game. <laughs> and it's going to be hot. I'm going with a Colts fan, but he's a friend of mine. But there might be other Colts fans who I don't know who you know much. Um, but will I get angry today? Um, driving to the thing, I'm sure I can do it. I'm not as angry as, well, I'll So, Jesus is deepening the Torah. And I got this from Scott and I this from other night. Okay. So, redefining murder. You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder. Anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. That's a quote from Old Testament law. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. So is Mr. T in danger? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Mr. T. Just, just realized that. Throws that word around willy-nilly. Yes. Um, by that word, I mean he calls people rocker, right? He calls people fool. <laughs> but he does say, I pity. I pity the fool. That's okay, right. that's yeah, different. The He's pitying the fool. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> He's fine. He's fine now. The Sermon on the Mount is one of the most hellfire sermons I've ever heard. Um, David Rubio has it. Knows it by heart sometimes because he did it several years here at Art Creek. Several years ago, he did it. And Wendy and I, my wife and I, with each other, we're like, man, that's harsh. <laughs> uh, it's just a harsh sermon. So let's keep clicking through this because it goes on. So, um, Raka in Aramaic, they say, is a word that means empty head. So my question is, what what is a similar word? Like we're not going to say raka. Yeah. But, uh, what the word group is? Stupid. Yeah. And there's an unkind of word to say to them. Uh, I didn't say it about the person I was talking about. I said it to the person. Um, or you could think of the word, of course, Okay. Note that the judgment, so in the in the Old Testament, you murder, you're subject to judgment. Um, but Jesus says if you are angry, you're subject to hell. So this is a scary this is a scary thing. Um this is from a commentator named R.T. France. Ordinary insults may betray an attitude of contempt, which God takes extremely seriously. 
what do you think? Back it up a little bit, it, it would be better for me just to go ahead and kill you before I get mad at you. Same thing, right? Yeah. Because if I kill you, I'm just subject to judgment. Yeah. Sure. If I get mad at you before I kill you. Yeah. I had a friend in high school, um, but the, another, the next thing I think is uh, you've heard it said you might need help through what I said if you look at a room in high school. assumptions that we put on the, the, the text, even in just reading it now. Because he, both with murder and with the anger part, it's not saying you will. It, the text didn't say anyone who murders will be judged. Period. It says you're subject to judgment. It says you'll be in, in danger of the fire of hell. Not you will be, yeah. you will get the fire of hell. But our assumption is like if I'm in danger or if I'm subject, that means that like it's yeah. going to happen. Yeah. But it didn't say didn't say this will happen. It's saying you're in danger of that. Yeah. You could if the law said you could be subject to that. Yeah. And I don't know what to make of that, but just that we will we quickly jump to the yeah. absolute like that's oh well, a fire. You're, yeah. you're not gonna get fired. Or you're never gonna get judged. Yeah. That's true. That is a good point. Um, yeah. And we're going to keep, there's another slide, so we're going to keep discussing this. So. Oh. We'll come back. So, uh, Jesus often presents counter behaviors to what he's saying. So, do not murder. So, what's a counter behavior? Or don't be angry. What's a counter behavior? Therefore, if you're offering your gift at the altar and there, remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First, go and be reconciled to them, then come and offer your gift. I think there's another part of this. Settle matters quickly with your adversary who is taking you to court. Do it while you are still together on the way, or your adversary might hand you over to the judge, and the judge may hand you over to the officer, and you may be thrown into prison. 
truly I tell you, you will not get out until you have paid the last penny. So, one thing in verse 23, he says, if you're offering a gift at the altar, and remember that a brother or sister has something against you. I kind of expect it, since he's talking about anger, that it would be somebody that you have something against. But he even raises it to say, if you know somebody that's something against you. Um, I think that's interesting. Um, and then um, he's suggesting that relationships are more important than worship. Uh, so he's giving maybe some extreme cases, but I think the point, there's a point to that. That maybe worship is another thing that we do that can be just an outward thing and not spirit thing, and the spirit of worship would imply that we have worked at making reconciliation with the people in our lives. Um, so that's an interesting thought. I think there's one more thing on here. Nope. Okay. Um, any thoughts on that? To your to your point, I would even say that that's the that's the big challenge I think we have in our churches in general is this kind of community living is much more intimate than most church communities are. Like if you have a room of five hundred plus people, it's really tough to do some of this stuff and. We kind of, and I've, this has been said many times, but church is just in some ways another product that we consume. We show up, I consume the teaching, the music, the bread, the juice, and then I leave and go and do whatever, what else I have planned to do today. Like that's something that's interesting in a lot of, especially when you say um, churches in the in the east, and even over here you've got kind of your black churches and even uh, Latino churches. It's like Sundays. It's like a it's a all day occasion, right? Can you imagine in suburbia of Nashville, like if we said we do we're doing this church thing the whole day is like we got things that we're doing together as a community. You're like, ooh, I kind of like, 
I do like food prep dogs. I got like, you know, I go to Target, you know, like, I don't know how you do all that. Like, you know, I got study, you know, but I think that we can't have some of this stuff with the, the current structure that, we, that we're building. I don't know, and that could be wrong. So I mean, if I'm wrong, yeah. I think you're wrong with that. Growing up, being a small church, being a small church press in South Carolina, being a small church press, yeah. it's like 150 yeah. You're expected to, like, you're going to be here all day. Yeah. We're going to go have lunch. Yeah. Everybody, most everybody, most right. of the church. And then, hey, we'll see you in about an hour. Just yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> and it's you know, they hear you every you and you're going to serve community. You are going to make prayer. You are going to teach a class. Here it just seems you're gonna just spend the time you don't you're not I get I get what you're coming with that. A church like this, like our creek, it's that's why it's small groups are to build community, and that's where a lot of this happens. And I would say for me, the challenging part of this verse is, is the reconciling part. Yeah. And I don't know, I mean, I've talked about this some in here before, but, you know, I'm a, I'm, I can get my mind around and be totally fine with uh, the forgiveness piece, right? right? I can forgive anybody. But to be reconciled, that's, that's a lot more work because, and what I've, come, what I've come to realize is that, okay, well, I don't, and maybe I'm, and maybe I'm taking the reconciling too far, maybe. It's saying that, like, it has to be, our relationship has to be the same that it was. But sometimes it can't be. Like, if you've done a thing to me or to someone that I dearly love like I don't know if I can if we could still be as connected as we were but maybe reconciliation is just I don't want you to fall off a cliff yeah well, what if it doesn't work right okay yeah like, what if that? you try and they're taking you to court to the judge anyway yeah. So, like, do you get the brownie points for the attempted reconciliation, or only once you cross that benchmark? Well, the goal is to be reconciled, but you can't control what the other person does. So, I think we got to keep our side of the street clean again and be open to that. But that does require movement on the other side. It's like forgiveness to me leads to reconciliation. We can be willing to forgive and open and open have an open posture, but if the other person does not, then it's not, you're not going to be totally reconciled. I think the challenge though is that we have to work on our being open to that. Okay, so uh, do not be angry. So there's three ways that some people teach this. I'm going to throw this open to you guys to discuss. Uh, is this an absolute prohibition of every and any kind of anger? Or is Jesus being hyperbolic? This is rhetorical exaggeration designed to warn, but sometimes anger is justified, as in righteous indignation. Uh, the Bible says God is angry sometimes, and Jesus cleaned the temple out, right? I got angry at some Pharisees, I think it's fair to say. So, 
That's a question. And he, and he yelled at he yelled at Peter. <laughs> yelled at Peter. Yeah. Put your sword away. I bet that was like a. Let's say what we doing here. His ear back on him. Put his ear off. What are you doing? Bad at the sword anyway. Yeah, you're not even good. You fish. You are a fisher. This is not your. What are you doing? Going for the ears. No, yeah. If you're gonna go, yeah, yeah, you messed up. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then this third interpretation is from United commentary. It's it's kind of new to me, but I think he's trying to make a third way here. Um, it's kind of the now and not yet. In the future kingdom, anger will vanish and followers of Jesus are capable of being transformed from anger. So the prohibition of anger is not so much hyperbolic as it is a foretaste of the community that we're looking to build. One day, we'll not have any, ideally, no anger at all. How do we live into that now? And it recognizes that we're not perfect, but we that's our goal, is to try to do Okay. So, um, where have you seen anger in practice? I think it would be interesting to just think about uh, cases that you have experienced and seen maybe lately. Uh, Randy Harris asks this. He says some of the angriest people he's ever seen are Christians. Um, I'm curious to know if you think that might be true. Uh, and then... Um, with whom do you need to seek reconciliation? So, uh, take a few minutes to discuss some of the things that we brought up with some people around you, and then we'll come and share that as a class conversation. Ready, break. Okay, let's take some time and some questions together and discuss. Um, what are what are some uh, reflections on this? Uh, let's. Uh, we kind of talked about just between the three of us, we kind of saw anger mostly with like, the second interpretation of technology, but we've seen that there is a time and a place for righteous anger and that kind of stuff. And we talked about seeing it in practice, and they just like minor inconveniences we see just anger day to day. But, you know, whether that's in customer service roles or driving or something, it's just things that you could just die to daily and not let it go any further. But we're so selfish and focused on like, our task at hand or what we want that it builds from there. And it's just kind of a cycle. Like, you know, and there's something about our culture that anger, those outbursts of anger, are somewhat unsurprising to us because maybe there's just this kind of under the surface, everybody can just spark something, and we're like, "Oh yeah, I see what they're, I see what's going on. I'd be angry too, or something." You know, uh, Randy Harrison, his book talks about uh, he was teaching Sermon Mount to a big freshman class, and he got there early and and organized with the student uh, that that student was going to bring out his cell phone in class, and, and Randy was going to say, "No cell phones in class," and then the student brings it out, and just they were going to just get in. Argument that looked like they were going to put each other. So the student brings his phone out and, and he's like, I, just, I said no phones. What part of that do you not understand? So he says, What's your problem? And then they start arguing and you know get face to face. Like the student says, I'm, I'm leaving. He's like, You take one more step, it better be toward me. And they just come face to face. And then uh, Randy says, 
okay, we're just joking, but the, the class, it like took them five minutes to come down from what just happened. <laughs> but uh, nobody was that surprised. He says, he says, what kind of person do you think I am? That Have I done anything throughout the semester to indicate that I'm the type of person that would just blow up at somebody? And I think the answer is, well, we see it happen all the time because it's just under the, and um, you know, I'm a peacemaker type person, so for me it always is, I'm, I'm an anger-driven person. So that's why I have to make peace, is because if it ever bursts out, I go, it's not a pretty sight, like a hole. You don't want to see me that. <laughs> yeah, good good. Um, some other thoughts. How about back in the old people? <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if that's some good uh, perspective on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, so I'm a, I'm a couple of family therapists, and I work primarily with men. Yeah. So I get guys coming in to see me because they've been told by their spouse or their supervisor to stop being angry. And it's actually a very unhealthy and unproductive thing to tell someone um, because the reality is that anger can actually be helpful and all anger is is an indication that I don't like this or this isn't right. It's the fact that what happens after that is problematic. So when you talk about the Jesus is righteous indignation of sin and the temple and everything like that's a helpful response to anger in that moment. So anger, in that sense, can actually alert us to things that are injustices. It's just, what do we do after the fact with that anger? And most of the time, anger is related to like, hurt or pain or sadness or loss. So if we actually take some time and we sit through that with people, we can actually probably get a little bit further with them. Yeah, that's very helpful. Um, we used to sing a song in the church I grew up in. Angry words are So it's like never speaking, never. And you just, you know, we're singing that song in church. <laughs> um, but I think the song is trying to present an ideal. Um, but anger is something that happens rather naturally. I mean, your body is not going to stop being angry. Yeah. It's the what you do with that behavior wise that the most of us should be able to get out of the Okay. All right, let's skip to this side. Oh, wait, what are you going to do? Say something? I was just saying we agree that the repression of anger probably should be the goal of this teaching. It's more like that positive thing that you do with it, or that reconciliation piece, whether you're the person that is angered at or the person who's angry. How can you seek to do something productive and meaningful with that feeling? Yeah. Yeah. Over here. We talked about, well, the Christians are angry people and after working in the service industry and having, you know, the church lunch rush, you know, not the best tippers, <laughs> the least patient in my observation, yes. not generalizing all Christians are bad tippers, but, um, you know, they, it, it's been noted 
that, you know, they tend to be the least patient, um, the least forgiving. But in another sense, I would say when, in my experience as well, um, getting angry or having a disagreement with a Christian person versus somebody who's maybe a non-believer and doesn't, wasn't raised on the teachings of Christ, it's easier to reach a point of reconciliation with somebody who has been taught you know, Christian standards than somebody who maybe wasn't raised in a household that was taught forgiveness, grace, mercy. So maybe some Christians are angrier, but it's easier to find a common ground with somebody who's raised on similar teachings. Jesus does say elsewhere that you know, we forgive because God has forgiven us. So we have, Christians have a great motivation to be forgiven because we believe that God has forgiven us. So we should be more motivated. Up here, what can you ask? So we talked a little bit oh, about uh, this group. You about this group? You know what I mean.
pretty much get mad about the same things, whether it's traffic or just minor inconveniences. Um, and so, I mean, that's a point that connects us to all the other people, even if they're not within the Christian tradition, but also it kind of points us, like, what are we focused on? And should we be getting angry about the things that we either don't have control over or do have control over and just haven't chosen to do anything about? Yeah, I think it would be helpful to have a class on how to manage anger. So, yeah, we have an expert in the room, maybe uh, <laughs> some thoughts on how to uh, live with anger and manage it appropriately. Um, so, don't murder today. <laughs> Please don't. Please, and uh, manage your anger appropriately. Well, hey, thanks for coming. Uh, get a donut if you want another one because the middle schoolers are about <laughs> all of the food. And they are bad. Have you not? Witness what? Good extra. Thanks. <laughs>